Hello and welcome to the Holy City Hoops podcast. My name is Tommy. So much to talk about today, Cougar fans. Grant Riller is in the NBA. College basketball is back this week. Yes, that's right. We will have real college basketball games on Wednesday, but I am still crossing my fingers. There's no time to dilly-dally with an intro today. You know our guest this episode because he has been on the show many times, Harrison Bown, and as luck would have it, he is a great guest for this show because he grew up a fan of the UNC Tar Heels and the Charlotte Hornets, the two teams we're going to talk about. We will discuss Grant Riller being selected by the Charlotte Hornets in last week's draft. We are going to preview the much-anticipated season-opening game between the College of Charleston and a rejuvenated UNC team. That game is Wednesday night, 6 p.m. on the ACC Network, and as you'll hear later in the show, Harrison and I both think that the circumstances leading up to this game make it a bit more of a toss-up than it might be in other seasons. We're both excited for the game. You should be too. Last thing before we get started, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or at holycityhoops.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Let's get into it. Okay, joining me today, frequent guest of the pod, friend of the program, former basketball player at the college, Harrison Bound. HB, what's going on, man? How you doing? Great to be back on and uh, excited for another year of uh, Cougar Hoops. Last time we spoke on the pod was right after Charleston was eliminated from the CAA tournament. What's crazy is the world is exactly the same now as it was then. <laughs> Nothing yeah. has changed. I, yeah, I think if you'd have told me back then that that we'd still be dealing with this and that the season would still kind of be up in the air and that the 2021 March Madness is somewhat up in the air, I would have uh, freaked out and <laughs> told you you were crazy. So hopefully we get through this season without anything crazy and uh, get March Madness back in our lives. It's it's weird. I mean, now that we're here and we're just a couple of days away from basketball coming back, it's just like it feels very shaky. Like I keep seeing the tweets about teams you know with cases or you know canceling practice and it's like this is a rickety ship that we're about to embark on but we're going for it yeah you know i i feel like and maybe it's because football has been what's so much of the attention has been around i feel like you really haven't heard as much about the cases in in college basketball but luckily i haven't heard anything about college of charleston cases so if we can keep it that way um maybe everybody else will get covid and we'll end up national champions <laughs> Uh, all right, well, you're here to talk the UNC game, opening game of the season for the Cougs, but we need to talk about something else first, because something went down Wednesday night. Grant Riller, we had to wait longer than we anticipated, but he got drafted. Cougars had back-to-back players drafted for the first time ever. Initial thoughts on Grant Riller going number 56 to the Hornets. As a Charlotte native and Hornets fan, I am absolutely stoked. Um, I- I've loved Grant's game since the moment he stepped onto the campus at the college. And so I'm very excited to, to have him a part of the Charlotte Hornets. And it's, it's also just awesome, you know, not only cause I got to play with Grant and to see him get drafted, but it's awesome for the college of Charleston. And I'll have back to back years where guys get drafted and you see Jarrell kind of making his way into the NBA and having a path. And people are very high up on him coming into this year. And I think a lot of people are high up on what Grant's success can be in the league as well. So it's just really cool to to see them get this opportunity and in a way kind of put college Charleston on the map. Not many teams can say they had back-to-back players drafted. And I, I tweeted this out. You know, if you look at other schools who have had fewer draft picks the last two years, it's a lot of blue bloods. It's Kansas, UCLA, 
uh, schools like Texas, Ohio State, Florida, Indiana. So yeah, I think it is. I think it does uh, put College of Charleston on the map a little bit. And props to Coach Grant and the coaching staff for developing these two-star unrated prospects coming out of high school in Joe and Jarrell and Grant. Um, just speaks volumes to to the development they they can do. Yeah, I mean, you you think about especially with like the big the blue buds in North Carolina and Kentucky. Always hear about Coach Cal. If you want to get to the league, like you go play for Coach Cal. But this is huge for the College of Charleston now, especially for Coach Grant going to recruit these kids. Of hey, you might be you know feel like you've been under recruited and overlooked, but you know if you come here and you work and you you listen to us and help us you know help us develop you that we can get you to the NBA. This isn't you know, the, the low mid-major basketball that some people think of sometimes. Like, we, we put two guys in the league that look like they're going to have a pretty solid career in the league as yeah. well. So I think it's huge for our recruiting. I think it's a huge part of, of building the college into the program we all believe it can be. For sure. I mean, and we were talking before we started recording that we didn't expect Grant to last that long. There was a chance he could go at the end of the first round. You know, there's teams like the Raptors, Bucks, Nets, Warriors who uh, could use a plug-and-play guy, a cheap rookie who can come in, get buckets right away. Those teams aren't as concerned with uh, his age or his experience level or his upside because they just need someone to come in and win now. So was hoping for that. It is crazy to me that he is the lowest drafted player in College of Charleston history. Um, he went 56, which is six spots behind Jarrell last year. It's uh, you know, a couple spots behind where Drew Gaudelock went and, and a couple spots behind where Anthony Johnson went. You would never think that. No. Because Grant seems like the most talented out of all those guys and the most NBA ready. But good to see him finally get drafted. I have to say, I don't know if I love the situation he's drafted into. Um, first and foremost... Joe Cheeley's competing for a spot on that roster as well. Um, yeah. And those two might, you know, share a training camp together, but I don't know if both of them are, are going to be a part of the, uh, a part of the organization. We'll see. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, I thought Joe's tweet last night, you know, was, was really classy and, and typical Joe to say pinch me because I mean, he, he's obviously stoked that, that he gets this guy there and, and they've obviously played great together at the college and, and you would hope that they both make the team. Um, but like you said, they're going to be competing against each other. And when when you look at the roster of the Hornets, you got to think that one of them for sure is making that team, just looking at the guard play that they have. Um, and obviously, you never know what can happen with trades and different things. Um, but it, it is, you know, it's bittersweet in a way to see them both on the same team and, and close to Charleston. But at the same time, like you said, competing against each other for that position. Yeah, well, the, the Hornets do have some point guards. I mean, they've already got Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier. And they obviously drafted one with the third overall pick in LaMelo yeah. Ball. I don't know if they're in need of, of guards. Um, you would think that with the other players they drafted, they took Vernon Carey, they took Nick Richards, who both seem kind of more like projects that, that Grant could see the floor. But uh, he's going to have to fight for his playing time. And he's he's going to have to fight his way onto that regular rotation because the other CA hoops connection here is that Nate Darling signed with the organization on a two-way contract. So that's one of the two... Two ways, and we've seen this with Joe and with Jarrell, they both took the two-way contracts. And while it's awesome that you can get pulled up and you can practice and you can play with the, the, the big organization a little bit, it's also a detriment because you're limited on how often you can play with the NBA team and how much you can practice. So I hope 
Grant does not fall into the bucket of getting that other two-way contract and spends most of the year in Greensboro. Um, so he's going to have to to prove himself with without a, a long training camp, without a, a summer league. But I think he's got the talent to to prove that he can play right away. No, I agree. And I think when you look, although they do have a lot of guards, I've heard rumblings that Terry Rogier might be on the way out. Um, I've heard, obviously, everybody wants, I think, Nick Batum out because of that awful contract. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't think he's playing no matter what. I just don't see it. They, they went super young last year towards the end of the year. Um, and I, I think that, that Grant's got a really good opportunity, but like you said, they, they do have a ton of guards. So it's going to be interesting to where he can, where he can kind of find his minutes. Um, and you've got Malik Monk there who people are extremely high up on, but kind of hasn't lived up to his potential. So it's definitely going to be a battle. Um, I mean, like we've talked about, we don't know if it's the, the best opportunity, but I'll tell you, Grant, Grant has kind of that it factor and he's lightning in a bottle when it comes to his athleticism, his ability to finish at the rim. So I, I would really like his chances to kind of make a name for himself. And if it doesn't end up in, in Charlotte, I, I have a lot of confidence. We'll be seeing him in the NBA somewhere, no matter what. For sure. Yep. Nathan Knight also goes undrafted, but signs a two way with the Atlanta Hawks. So there's your three CA hoops guys. The league itself, I mean, did pretty well. The, both those guys got darling and Knight got picked up pretty early, but it's always good to, to be on record as being drafted, I think. So props to props to Grant. No, 100%. And he uh, he deserves it. He's worked his tail off um, to think where he came from his freshman year, getting injured to, to where he's at now. And um, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's really cool for the College of Charleston. I mean, it, it really does put us on the map, and it, it's awesome for him. And there, I can't think of a more deserving person. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to, to watching him and – as soon as those retro Hornets jerseys go on sale in the team store, I'll, be, uh, so I'll be buying one. <laughs> I love those they're jerseys. The best, they're the best jerseys in the NBA. It's yeah. not even close. Yeah, those are nice. All right, well, congrats, Grant. We're proud of you. Uh, let's talk about the other team in North Carolina. That would be the Tar Heels. You are, were you born and raised a Tar Heel fan? I married into it, but born, did you grow up a, a Tar Heel fan? Born and raised. Okay. Pops is a Tar Heel. Uh, most of his, two of his best friends played at UNC. So my entire life I've grown up uh, loving the Tar Heels and hating Duke. Um, <laughs> and somehow I'm marrying into a Duke family. Oh, but, gosh. Uh, but yeah, so I, I believe me, I, um, I hear it and it's funny. You know, my dad's already talking smack to me about the game. And I'm like, I went to College of Charleston. Like you, you guys paid tuition to College yeah, of Charleston. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, sorry, you're, you're gone. So it's, it's, all, it's all back to the heels for him. But uh, no, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this game. I, I have a lot of confidence in uh, CFC's chances. Well, let's let's talk about this UNC team. Here's all I know about them. Last year they sucked. <laughs> Cole Anthony just got drafted to Orlando, a spot that could have used Grant Riller, but they had Christian Keeling from Charleston Southern last year. They had Justin Pierce from William and Mary, so a couple familiar names for me. But 14 and 19, when the season got cut short, they were not projected to to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, but this year, this offseason, they were picked to finish fourth in the ACC. Garrison Brooks is the preseason player of the year in the conference. So so what gives? Why why do they seem better this season? Uh, well, I think last year, a ton of injuries played a huge part in it, um, and especially as soon as um, Anthony got, got hurt. I mean, it, it just immediately was a, a huge blow to them, and they really lacked guard play, and that's part of the reason why they brought in Justin Pierce and Christian Keeling. Um but I think injuries were probably the biggest issue that they had last year and guys left early uh, from the year before with Kobe White and some of those guys. So 
Um, they lost a lot of production that year before, and then the injuries just added up. If you go back to the beginning of the year when everybody was kind of healthy and they were figuring it out, I mean, they, they started out pretty good and were a top five or top 10 team in the, in the country, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And so when you look back at that, you kind of, you kind of, it's weird to look at what their final, their final standings were and the 14, 19 record was, was kind of weird for as, as good as they started, but um, this is a good team. I think they're preseason ranked in the top fifteen, if I saw correctly. Yeah, um, it, it's a team that has a lot of a lot of young talent, a couple five stars in there, and some guys that uh, that can really shoot the ball and play well. And I think that's one of the things that's hurt them the last couple of years is not having great shooters and and having some some senior leadership. And then Garrison Brooks is just a beast. I mean, if there's one matchup that I would worry about with college of Charleston. It's Garrison Brooks. I mean, he's a absolute beast in the paint rebounds, uh, scores around the hoop, catches alley-oops. And so I I think it's going to be a tough game, uh, for the Cougars, especially that matchup, but being that it's been a really weird off season and we have no idea, you know, who's gotten type scrimmages and exhibitions are obviously out the window, but how are the exhibitions in practice? Have people missed practice? Um, what's their off season been like? So if there's ever a year, you feel like that you can go in and upset first game of the year. I think it's this year. Is there another weakness to exploit on North Carolina other than the lack of a scout on College of Charleston? You know, typically a North Carolina team, and even looking at this year, although I think it's better than last year, they they still don't have that proven great shooter. Um, So they're not a great shooting team. And I think if you watch some of the games last year, and even the last couple years with UNC, when you've been able to zone them up or play really good man defense and rotate out uh, to to the perimeter, they're not knocking down threes at a high rate. Um, and they don't have anybody that really has proven they can do that. Now, I know people are very high up on Caleb Love this year, um, RJ Davis, and, and obviously Leaky Black coming back. and But none of those guys have really proven they can shoot it. And then, you know, Playtech is kind of supposedly the, the shooter on the team, but he didn't even shoot it great last year. So... This is definitely a team with, with Armando Bacot and Garrison Brooks that are going to play inside to out. Yeah, um, kind of typical so, of a Roy Williams team. It, exactly. So if we can match up with them and I think not get in a running match with them, I mean, that's where UNC plays the best. I mean, that's why they were winning both the games versus Duke last year is they got into a running match and just got out in transition, ran the floor, got easy buckets. When you slow them down and make them execute in the half court, that's, I would say, their biggest weakness because they're not great shooters. Um, now they're North Carolina. They're still a top, you know, twenty-five team. <clears throat> they're still a, a, a huge assignment to try to to guard and and beat. But you know, Coach Grant has proven that he's a really good defensive coach, and we've got some pieces that I think could can annoy them defensively. And um, and we're obviously not the f- most fast-paced offensive team of the last couple of years, so I, I think that could really play into our favor in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, Coach Grant's always done a pretty good job of controlling pace in games you know whether the offense is good or or not let's flip to the other side of the court let's talk about charleston starting with the first five who are going to roll out there to kick off the season i think there's two guys who are going to surefire be in that starting lineup and that's galloway and jasper after that i'm going to guess peyton willis gets thrown in there just because of his experience and the rep he has coming in and then maybe you go Osanachi smart to match up with Brooks. I think he's probably the best bet for that. We saw him take on guys like Knight and Painter, Butler in conference and, and do pretty well, not get back down. And then that fourth spot, I don't know. I mean, 
Maybe you go Lorenzo Edwards, the the transfer in the grad transfer, um, another fifth year guy. Then you've got a really experienced starting lineup. Or maybe Grant throws in a, a D'Angelo Epps or, or a Dontavious King or someone else. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the starting five? I think you're 100% right with, with Zepp and Brevin. I think Peyton's probably, uh, Peyton Willis is probably a shoe in with his experience. Um, I'll be honest, didn't see him play a lot last year. I don't watch a lot of Minnesota basketball. Um, don't have the Big Ten Network, unfortunately. But uh, he, he, from all appearances and reading articles about him, he seems like he's a very capable wing, um, good passer decent shooter I, I feel like we'll definitely see him in the starting lineup i heard all sorts of talk last year about dontavious king people have told yep. me that he is a really good player and i never got to see him practice or anything last year so i'm, I'm really excited to see how he plays i kind of think he'll get that 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 edge to start at some point in the year but i'm with you i think you probably go with as long as he's healthy and proven in practice i think you probably go with a lorenzo edwards in the first game when you're playing in north carolina you kind of want that experience um and I have heard that OC has practiced really well this year and has improved. So OC is obviously, I mean, you talk about a physical specimen playing the five. I mean, I don't know if that guy has an ounce of fat on him. He's, no. you know, he's, he's a beast and he can rebound the ball really well. And if he's, you know, matching up against uh, Garrison Brooks or Armando Bacot, I think he probably gives us our best chance defensively. Um, and he had some games last year where he, he played really, really good defensively against some good players. And oh, so yeah. – I think he gets the edge at five, and, and like you said, that four spot to me is probably the toss-up. I think Edwards probably gets the edge going into the year. But again, I've heard so many good things about Dontavious King. I think at some point we'll see him starting at that four position throughout the year. So the rotation after this, maybe King if, if Edwards does get the start. Uh, Coach Grant keeps bringing up Brendan Tucker and D'Angelo Epps, uh, two guys who played sparingly as freshmen last year, but he he's, has said had taken a, a bit of a jump. And then you've got the newcomers. You've got Cam Copeland, who's the wing shooter. You've got the freshman, Keegan Harvey, and Davian Houston. So I don't know. I mean, do you expect Coach Grant to even play any freshmen in this game? You know, I think that it's going to be kind of similar to last year um, in that it's going to be sparingly, and it also depends on what the situation is. If mm-hmm. Brevin or Zap, you know, get in foul trouble early, I think you could easily see some of those freshmen get some minutes. Um and Coach Grant, I mean, he proved it my senior year. I mean, he, he clearly trusts freshmen. He doesn't care what age you are. If you can play, he's going to put you out there. Um, but given the ex- some of the experience that we have coming back and you have guys uh, like Epps and Tucker returning that got some minutes, I, I think it's going to be hard for some of those freshmen to break into that, to that, that lineup and rotation early on, especially in a game versus North Carolina. That being said, if throwing him into the fire. <laughs> yeah, and that being said, if it gets ugly quick, you know, and there's some foul trouble or something, then you may go ahead and throw them in, and you see what works rotation wise. But typically, Coach Grant sticks to that seven eight player rotation, yeah. and and I just don't know that those freshmen. You know, I haven't, like I said, I hadn't been to a practice this year, I hadn't talked to a lot of guys about those those guys, so I wouldn't expect to see them. But um, you know, it's it's a weird year with COVID, and and who knows? I mean, those guys might come out and be in the starting lineup, so. Um, I, I would expect that Epps and Tucker get the edge in that seven-man rotation and that we probably don't see the freshman in the first game unless it gets ugly. I am interested to see just how this team looks when you take away a piece like Grant Riller. And we had kind of bemoaned this after the season ended. The lack of shooting on the team last year around Grant, the lack of defense and rebounding was just a killer down the stretch. The, the team really had some stinkers at the end of conference play and 
looked like they were trapped in the mud on offense at times. So I don't know what to expect on that front. Um, I hope the shooting is better. I hope the rebounding is better. That seemed to be a big focus of the coaching staff in the offseason by bringing in some of these transfers and some of these freshmen. The amount of Grant Rillering that the team can do will be much, much worse. Um, but I don't know what their strengths are going to be. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a toss-up. I'm with you. I, I don't, looking at that roster, um, obviously the guys like Peyton Willis and um, Copeland. Well, Copeland you have some film on, but the freshmen especially, you don't know. But everybody else on that roster, you look at it and you don't really see anything other than Brevin that jumps off as a you know a big-time shooter or a guy that's going to consistently hit shots. So shooting, obviously, is always a question mark when you, when you don't have anybody – you're looking at that roster, it looks like just a knockdown shooter. But that being said, sometimes it can work out for the better when, when a guy like Grant graduates and moves on because, like you said, it's then not one person having to do everything and having so much of it focused on him and you're looking to him to get 20 or 30 a game and he's having to create everything. So you could see an offense that runs a little smoother. Not to say that we wouldn't take Grant really right now on this team in a heartbeat because he's an unbelievable talent. But sometimes you see that with teams. I, I think it's. I think for us to be successful this year, I think Brevin's going to have to take on a, a big role, which everybody mm-hmm. expects. He's going to have to be in that fifteen to sixteen points per game or higher. He's going to have to consistently knock down shots, which we saw spurts of it last year. And when he got hot, we we tended to win games. Yep. Um, and I think it's going to be the same thing if he can be consistent this year and, and hit shots and knock them down. I think we've got a really good shot at, at having a good good season. Um, Zep in a couple games kind of the same way last year. He'd have some games where he got really hot, hit a couple threes, and and we tended to win those games. So if those guys step up big, Peyton Willis I think is going to be um, a huge attribute. Seems like a kid who can really create, can hit some shots, can create off the dribble, attack the basket. So you look at those three guys, you would think as your starting three guards, and you would hope that you can get at least 10 points a game out of out of all three of them. And, uh, and then from there, you, you just kind of – saying, well, does Edwards or Dontavious King or O.C., which I don't think O.C. is a guy you're probably going to look at to score much, but hopefully Edwards or King is is going to come up big for us and be somewhat of a post presence that we can go to because if you look back two years ago, I think the most success we had is when we had Jarrell Brantley in the post that could could score and then a Grant Riller on the wing. So I think See, if we can... That, that worries me because I think, <laughs> I think Edwards is going to be hanging out on the perimeter just based on yeah. his game and... OC's not the back to the basket player. I mean, he'll he'll roll and he'll catch lobs, but I don't know that that's concerning. I mean, but there will be space for for guys to drive, um, and th- there should be a lot of shooting. But um, well, and, that, yeah, we'll and that's the thing. If we you know if those guys are playing out on the perimeter more and knocking down some shots and having that space to create and drive, then we could see a fast paced offense and a team that's that's look smooth on offense and filling it up. And and I always think a, a kind of a four out one in with some athletic guys that are mm-hmm. at least decent shooters. I think for mid-major basketball, that's a huge uh, benefit to have because let's be honest, how often are you going to get a six eight six nine guy who's just right. a beast in the paint? And that's not really the way basketball is trending towards anyways as well. So the kind of small ball aspect I think could be huge for us, especially if we can get out and run a little bit. For this game in particular, though, we don't we don't want to get in a running match with North Carolina. I mean, that is Roy Williams and North Carolina's bread and butter. And if we start trying to get into a transition game with them, I think they'd eat us alive. Um, yeah. Nothing against the college, but that's just that's what they do. 
that's what they preach. Um, I mean, Roy runs them to death in practice. That is kind of their game plan is get out quick and get as many shots up as possible. So I, I don't want us to get into a running match with them. But that being said, once we hit conference play, if that's how we're going to win games, uh, I think it could could work for us. Yeah, again, I, I think I think the tempo will be hopefully in Charleston's favor. Again, there's so much guessing right now because there's no there's no scrimmages. There's no exhibition game. There's not even like a midnight madness. Well, and I'll tell you, I mean, as as growing up a UNC fan, and obviously I still watch a lot of their games, UNC is notorious for dropping a game to a mid-major early in the That's year. True. I mean, it's every year I feel like they do that. So, um, you know, if there's a game on their schedule that jumps off the chart such and says, hey, this is one that they could lose, um, I think it's this one. And we certainly, you know, we have the talent, but like you said, it's just that big question mark of does it all come together, you know, this early and we hit hit enough shots and defend them well enough to win. So, and it's and no one has seen any film on either of us. So it's just a huge question mark of who's going to play where and what's the offense going to look like and and everything. So that's uh, I think that aspect of it actually can can go to our favor um, because yeah. some ways you kind of know what you're going to get with UNC. With us, we just lost one of the best players in our program's history. Who knows how we're going to come out? I mean, Coach Grant might have put in the flex offense in the offseason. We have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going back to our question of who's going to score the points, you lose a 20-point score, and you need to get to 65, 75. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think we need we need an up game from Galloway. We need a, a game where he's on and he's locked in. Uh, I would love a 15- to 20-point game from him. Next best guess, I've either Jasper or Willis. Yeah, if we, if we can get 10 points from from both those guys, that would be huge. And then I guess uh, the rest is just kind of by committee. Like we mentioned, if, if OC can get in five points, if Edwards yeah. can put in five to eight points, if uh, Tucker and Epps can each chip in a couple buckets, then you're getting up to uh, an area where we're comfortable. But uh, like you said, too many times last year, those guys had goose eggs or they had super inefficient games. Yeah. So... That's probably my biggest concern is just like offense, offensive uh, consistency. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm totally there with you. I mean, I, I, not to put pressure on him, but I kind of think this season goes as Brevin Galloway makes shots because he's going to be our best shooter, I think. Yeah. So if he's not hitting shots, I think we're probably going to really struggle. Um, and, and not to say that he's got to go out and have a 30-point game every night, but I think he's got to at least give us 10. And if if Willis and Jasper and Galloway rotate that and one guy's getting 18 a game and the next night the other guy's getting 18 and the next night the other guy's getting 18 and they kind of rotate that, then that's fine. If Willis is getting 8 or 9 to 10 and Zepp's getting 8 to 9 to 10 and Galloway has a bad game or only gives us 8, 9, or 10, I mean, you're, it's going to be a hard way to get to that 7, 65, 75 point uh, per game that you, you kind of got to get to to win. win so, Is there a player outside of... Galloway or Willis that you're most excited to see? I guess we already said King. Yeah, I mean, I think King's probably the biggest one for me because I did hear so much about him last year. Um, yeah, the, so hype, the really hype is building excited. for him. Uh, yeah, the, the, hype same is, things. the hype is built, so I, I'm really excited to see what he can bring to us. I, I don't think he's going to be like a as good as Jarrell was early on because, I mean, that's just a special talent. Like, that's an NBA guy who, I mean, he came in his freshman year and every one of us knew, like, this guy's a beast. Um, but I think that he can eventually get to that point. I hope that he can get to that point. Um, when you look at his body and, um, kind of his game, you kind of feel like 
he's a somewhat like Jarrell in a way. So you, you hope that he can get to that point where he's just a force to be reckoned with in the next years to come in the colonial. But, um, I mean, for me, I'm really excited to see what the Copeland kid can, can bring. And then Epps and, and um, Tucker building on last year. We saw some flashes from them. Um, I don't know that either one of them had, I'd have to go back and look, I don't know that either one of them had like amazing standout games that you thought, wow, this kid's like, I can't wait for they him had to moments. be. moments. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't they, know if they, they ever had, put it together for a full game. Yeah, like they didn't necessarily have one full game, but there were moments you saw. I remember in the, the Anaheim tournament, I can't remember if it was Tucker or Epps, but he, you know, had like gotten a steal, goes down, gives up the ball. Somebody misses a layup. He fights for the rebound, gets an and one. Mm-hmm. And it was like beating his chest. And you're like watching that. And you're like, okay, like this is, this is kind of the attitude that we need on this team. And so they had these moments that you kept thinking, well, if they put this all together, you know, this could be something special. And I know that the coaching staff is, is pretty high up on both those guys. Well, well, this um, is a question for you because you've been there. I mean, what, what does it take to take that leap from freshman to sophomore year and, and how different, does the game come to you between your freshman year and your sophomore year? I would say that it, it takes a really special kid, a, a kid that's truly ready, ready to play at that next level to really take off that freshman year. And all of my coaches from Wojcik to Grant to all the assistants that we had would always talk about your freshman year, it, it's, it's so many ups and downs. There's so many mountain, mountain peaks and valleys and it's a marathon. And it's so hard for freshmen to realize that whether you think you're prepared or not, or whether you think you're mature and at that point or not, it's just you're freshman, you're young, you're going to have these moments where you have a great game, and then you're going to have these moments where you, you make these mistakes that, that cost you. And Grant and Jarrell and, and Marquise, who I got to see play a lot as freshmen, and we needed to play a lot as freshmen, you know, that team was really, really good my senior year. That team to me was good enough to make an NCAA tournament if we don't have all the injuries. Yeah. And they're not forced to play and do as much as they did. And they were spectacular. But they definitely had moments where they turned the ball over on, you know, kind of a silly pass that they wouldn't do two years later. And so as you get older and you mature more and you watch more film and you get stronger and you get more in shape, the game just kind of slows down for you more. Um, And not that I was a guy that ever obviously played huge minutes, but I could tell you going against guys in practice and the minutes I did get, from my freshman year to my junior and senior year, the game just really slowed down to where I was able to make plays and make moves that I couldn't make my freshman year. Right. Um, and you, your body just develops a little more. You get smarter. Um, and it's funny. I think a lot of guys, when you watch film of like a year before, you'll step and these guys will see it. They'll, they probably seen film from last year going, why the heck did I do that? Yeah, why would I cringe that a little happen? bit? Yeah. Like, why did I take that shot? Because they know at this point, they're a lot better. They're more mature. They've developed more. They know that that's not a good shot or that they can take one dribble and get to the rim. So it, it comes naturally, but you got to put the work in as well, especially in the weight room, um, especially getting those shots up and getting consistent. That's something I'd love to see from both Epps and Tucker is sure up that handle a little bit, the ball handling, which it's as a freshman, it's tough. I mean, that's, I, I think the upperclassmen in college love picking the pockets of the freshmen because they, they just know. And, you're a freshman. You got away with it in high school. You think you can do it, and it's it's just doesn't work out. Um, but sure up the handle a little bit, and then start to be a consistent shooter. Find your niche, whether really, that's mid range driving, open threes. If we can have just one of those guys do that this year, um, that could go a huge ways for this team's success. Yeah, yeah. Just building off some of those moments because yeah, I I think it was Epps who uh, 
who had that play in Anaheim that you're talking about. And then Tucker, was it the Delaware game or one of the late conference games? He kind of hit like a back-to-back threes to, to take a big lead or something like that. Yeah. So, And both guys came in with a lot of potential. I mean, Tucker had a lot of offers uh, coming out of high school. Epps started the season really well and then kind of kind of hit the wall. So, yeah, I'm, I'm also excited for those guys. And maybe we will see uh, a Davian Houston or a Keegan Harvey. Um, and speaking of Harvey, I mean, he's a near seven-footer. When it comes to defending Brooks, you think it's smart mostly, or you think it has to be by the group? It's it's got to be by the group. I think OC probably is going to pick up one or two fouls that he, yep. you know, do, you know, doesn't mean to, but it's just going to happen because Brooks is that good and he's tough to defend. Um, and that's where I do think you could see a Keegan Harvey thrown in there, maybe um, a little Samba Njai, a little Samba Njai. Um, but I think it's got to be by committee, and I, I think you go into that game. No offense to these post players that we have, but none of them are like our key offensive guys. It's not like, it's, yep. hey, we got to have you for the offensive end to get 20 that night. So, you know, I think you go into that game saying, hey, man, play your, you're going to have a scout report, play the best defense you can, know what his tendencies are. If you get a couple fouls, that's okay. We're going to throw in Samba, we're going to throw in Keegan, we're going to rotate. And um, if we keep rotating fresh bodies at them, um, and, and I mean, I'm not opposed to doubling him when it's smart because, like I said, I, to me, the way to beat North Carolina is you either zone up, which I know Coach Grant doesn't love to play zone, but you either zone up and make them hit shots or double down on the post, make them kick it out and box out like crazy and win, win the off or the defensive rebounding battle and force them to make threes. And if North Carolina beats you making threes, um, I think you can feel pretty good about yourself going to sleep that night because that's not typically the way they're going to beat you, especially looking at this roster that they have. I just keep thinking about what are the lingering effects from this bizarre offseason. Can a team look totally different from what they were last year? Uh, can you bring in as many new pieces as both of these teams are bringing in and and look like you are, are fluid and, and your offense is clicking and your defense is clicking? Have you ever experienced anything like that? Have you ever had a, a weird offseason that resembles this at all? Um, you know, my, my freshman year when I went to Charleston Southern, um, when I did signing day with them and everything, we had a full team, everything was set. When I got on the campus that summer, we had 10 guys transfer, um, in one year. So it all of a sudden in a similar capacity, uh, basically four freshmen into the fire. And so those guys ended up being great, um, that it was some of the best players that have ever ever played there. Saw Nimley, Arlon Harper, uh, Cedric Bowen, Paul Gamwa. They ended up being four year starters, and that's Charleston Southern's like greatest successful run. Um, so I've had years like that, kind of going into my senior year in a way, because or even junior year. I guess junior year maybe was probably the weirdest year because, as you remember, you know we didn't have a head coach for three Until months. September. <laughs> yeah, you know we were clueless and we were out there doing just like. I mean, basketball workouts were playing pickup and we had coach Reynolds Dean, I thought did a great job of riding the ship and, and doing everything. But I mean, I think when you go back and look at that team, we were better than the nine wins we had, but you didn't have a coach till September. It was a super weird off season. You had guys transferring, you had guys injured. You had this whole mess with the whole coaching thing. It was just a weird off season. And then coach Grant comes in and obviously he's, he's trying to figure out, who he has and who are my guys, who am I going to play? And, you know, I, I don't think without that off season, 
you don't end up with the NCAA tournament year because you saw how much a guy like Joe Cheeley and Cameron Johnson and those guys and Evan Bailey, the guys that were like the nucleus of that NCAA tournament team, how much they grew and took that leadership on um, and took it upon themselves to kind of say, okay, this is a new era of college Charleston basketball and we're going to be the leaders of it. And so hopefully, I, I hope we kind of see that with, with some of these guys saying, you know what, it's been a weird off season. Everybody's had to deal with this COVID thing. We've got some good upperclassmen. We've got a lot of kind of unproven youth, but like you said, guys that are highly touted and we've got a couple good transfers. And if we can put this thing together the right way, I mean, I, I look at the, the CAA and while there's some talent out there, I think we're just as good as anybody else. I don't see one team that runs away with it. Well, it's, it's weird because, knock on wood, Charleston had a pretty easy offseason, all things considered. They didn't have a coaching change. They didn't have any canceled practices. Um, coaches, the whole coaching staff was was there year over year, um, developing these virtual workouts and staying in touch with everybody. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that pays dividends in conference play, even in a game like this where maybe it's closer to a coin flip than it would be traditionally because of these offseason circumstances. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're going to learn a lot about the team, obviously, against UNC. And then a couple of days later, we have what's probably closest to an exhibition game against Limestone College for the yeah. quote-unquote home opener. So that shift in talent level, um, we're going to see the first kind of inklings of what this team is made of. But, I mean, just talking with you, it's gotten me excited. I'm just talking college basketball is fun again. Um, what better way to kick off the season than on the road at UNC with a chance to uh, to maybe pull an upset? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's a weird year. Everybody's kind of in the same situation. Everybody's had some weird stuff. Thankfully, like you said, College Charleston hasn't really had mispractices or anything that we know of, so they're obviously doing something right. So as long as those guys continue to not go to O'Malley's and everything, because they're obviously they're, they're being smart right now. So if they can keep that up, whatever they're doing, it's working. Um, and hopefully, you know, nobody comes down with COVID and we can – keep this thing rolling and keep playing and not have any hiccups and regardless of what happens at the unc game like you said you've got that limestone game as kind of a get right game um but i like our chances you get to go up to unc it's i mean i don't think they're allowing fans yet for that game i could I be wrong so either no if it is it's going to be like you know hardly any so you're not dealing with twenty thousand fans screaming it's going to be an empty arena the crowd plays a huge factor at north carolina so you know if you if you come in there and bring your own energy um this could be a great a great kickoff for college of Charleston. And like you said, we've got a coach that's been there before. We have a staff that's all there. We've got a staff that's, you know, one year older now and had more experience with these guys. And I think, I think we've got a team that wants to prove themselves. I mean, as proud as they are and as great as it is to see Grant go and, and do the things he's done the last couple of years, it's been kind of all about Jarrell and Grant and how great they've been and rightfully so. But it, I think, you know, if these guys take a little pride upon themselves and say, okay, how can we, you know, put our mark on this team and show everybody like, Hey, we're, we're just as good. Like we got some players here. Yeah. I think that could be huge for the college. So, um, I like our chances. I'm excited. Uh, I've got a lot of bets with a lot of family members, so hopefully I don't have to pay up. Yeah. I mean, I will be spending Thanksgiving with my UNC in-laws, so I am ready to, I'm ready to gloat. Charleston <laughs> wins. I'm ready to, to drink myself to sleep. Uh, Charleston gets hammered. Um, We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, you want to make a, pr- a final prediction? I'm going to say uh, Kyle Charleston wins it 73-67, 6.1. Okay. 
I think we okay. come out. I think we score just enough. We we have just enough uh, defense to kind of shut them down. Maybe get Garrison Brooks in some foul trouble. Revan Galloway goes off for twenty three. Okay, I like that. I think that's that's definitely conceivable. I will say, I think the rims are going to be a little unkind this early in the season. Uh, so I'll say Charleston seventy one, UNC sixty eight. Uh, we we extend the game at the end with some free throws, but Charleston comes out on top. I like it. All right, Wednesday like night, it. ACC Network, rare uh, nationally televised game for the Cougs, not on Flow Sports, thank God. Uh, you can <laughs> you can delay your subscription to that, and we'll see what happens. It should be fun. I'm excited, man. I, uh, I've i got all my, my Cougs gear ready. We'll have the CFC flag flying at the house, and uh, it's uh, I'm just glad college basketball's back. I'm uh, It's been too long. Yeah, for sure. Should be fun. Uh, go Cougs. We'll catch you all up uh, following Monday. We'll recap the Limestone game as well as the UNC game. Hopefully it's a 2-0 and record by then. Thanks for coming on, Harrison. Awesome. Thank you for having me as always. All right.